Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay, as always. And you guys are going to have to forgive me. I need a second here. There's a lot of emotion I need to let out before I record a new podcast. Christian, take it away from here. I need a moment. Yeah, just like God, finally. Anyway. Yeah, that 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 times two, Griffin, because holy fucking shit. Um that game kicked so much ass for a regular season hockey game. That game kicked so much fucking ass. And I just I it was good to see that the abs that we know and love are still there because after that Vancouver game, I think everyone was a little bit freaking out and to see them come out and have this performance against the Oilers tonight was just so fucking satisfying, dude. I'd, I'd say it was a little more than a little bit of freaking out for everyone after that Canucks game. So just to recap the last couple of days for the avalanche. It's been a little bit since we recorded, a little longer than usual, recording a day earlier last time. The avalanche lose 4-2 to to the Vancouver Canucks, which everyone responded to rationally and fairly and did not freak out about whatsoever. And they follow that up with a 3-2 to overtime win over the Edmonton Oilers, snapping their losing streak at five games. And, oh my God, that game against the Oilers. The old abs came back in this game. Incredibly frustrating game for 40 minutes. Ridiculously frustrating. If we lost that game, I think something would have broken me, as you can clearly see by the (laughs) intro of this show. I don't think I've ever gone above my regular talking voice on this podcast, let alone scream into a pillow. But the abs come back in the third period with three unanswered goals. They dominate this game at even strength, and they are back on the board. And suddenly... The sky isn't falling anymore. Now things seem to be okay. Yeah, things seem to be okay. And this is one of those moments that the Avs are professional athletes, but they are humans at the end of the day. They looked like a team that had no confidence. They, They just looked like a team that had no confidence. And they were, you could tell they were incredibly frustrated in that Vancouver game. And for 40 minutes of this game against the Oilers, they looked incredibly frustrated too. But they kept fucking pushing and they finally broke through. And like you said, this game was not particularly close. If it wasn't for the Edmonton Oilers power play and some very, very questionable calls by the referee, the Avs could have won this game 3-4-0. They really could have because they really did a fantastic job defensively against the Oilers. Yeah, this was one of the best games we have seen from them at well, obviously since Christmas break, but I'd go even a little farther than that too. This looked like 
an almost complete game. If it wasn't for Stort Skinner playing out of his mind, if it wasn't for the Oilers power play getting gifted some opportunities, let's just put it like that. We'll get into that more later, but they were gifted some opportunities and they capitalized on them. This could have very easily been a shutout for the abs, but man, they deserved to win this game. And why don't, why don't we actually start in Vancouver? Yeah, let's do it. Because if we recorded on Thursday, right after that game, this would be an utterly different episode, just completely and utterly different. Yeah, it would have been completely different. I was joking before we started recording this. I was like, man, I was legit super upset after that game because this game against Vancouver started off great. It did. And then for a five minute stretch, the abs just looked, they looked like the fucking Chicago Blackhawks. They did for like a five minute stretch of this game. And for the first time all year, you saw Alexander Georgiev actually show some emotion after the Brock Besser three, two goal was a Brock Besser who scored it. I believe it was, um, he slams a stick on the net and you just think you're like, man, this is, this is not good right now. And then the third period, they just looked like a dead fish the entire time in that third period. They did not get like one particularly great scoring chance. Um, and if we would have recorded after that game, I, I think you would have heard Griffin and I for the first time in the history of the show really question a lot of things about the avalanche. Cause we'll come on here and joke around about how it's, how it's time to panic. But this was legit. I, I was legit concerned after this game. Yeah, I, I was upset after this game because like we talked about on the episode before, this is Vancouver. This is a team that is struggling, a team that is clearly having some locker room issues and it's just not very good. And you're telling me you were up two to nothing on these guys in the second period and gave up three goals in a four minute stretch and couldn't even come close the rest of the way. One of the things I tweeted during this game is that the worst part about this game is that's only a one goal deficit because it only takes one, but we know it's not going to happen whatsoever. This team just looked more frustrated than I had ever seen them in a, a long time. They were battling themselves. They were battling the puck. They had some unfortunate things go against them and it really got in their head. In this game against, the I mean, you had Andrew Cogliano, one of the great veteran leaders in the NHL, get a ten-minute misconduct. Like that just that just doesn't happen for this team. They showed a ton of emotion, and yeah, I get why Cogliano was mad. But in hindsight, you'd love the ref to get out of the way there. But I mean, it's hockey, man. That shit fucking happens, and it just always has seemed recently that that those bounces were going against the Avs, and it was very evident in this game. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Like you had the clearing attempt go off the ref. Kuzmenko makes it a one goal game and Cogliano's pissed, obviously. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I think he had every right to say nope. something and it was pretty soft of the ref to put him in the box, but you still can't do that. You still, yeah. It doesn't matter. You still can't do that. And after that, they just completely collapsed. EJ and Gerard got embarrassed by Pedersen and Kuzmenko on the tying goal and Devontae's his worst game as an av which is maybe a little more understandable now now that we know that his wife was having a kid and he would might have been a little distracted in this game against the yeah, I, mean, I, I think yeah. i think that's a perfectly reasonable excuse and that makes yeah. more sense now but even still a, a a terrible terrible turnover and it goes right to right to brock besser who makes it three to two and like you talked about you were slam in his stick on the post i mean i have never seen this team this frustrated and they were just in the third period 
they weren't trying to score. They, they were trying to put a hole through the goalie. Everything they shot was just with every ounce of emotion they had. And they really did not come that close either. No, I mean, Darren Helm had one chance late in the third period, but like, let's be real. We, we lost to Colin Delia. <laughs> we, we lost to Vancouver's fourth string goalie tonight against Vancouver. We, we lost to their fourth string goalie. Um, and I get why the abs were super set because they, they lost that game. They, they did it to themselves. Like you can't even be mad. Like you go up to nothing in that game. I mean, you get the goal by Miko. His that was a beautiful shot by Miko on the power play. You get a goal from Sam Gerrard, someone who's not named Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, or Miko Ranch, and you go up two nothing. That game should have been easy, five two win, should have been. And you have you play a bad five minutes, and you lose all composure, and you end up going down three two into the third period. And in that third period, I was hoping they'd bounce back with some life. They they just had nothing, man, absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's I've said a million times, I've never seen this team that frustrated before because they've, I think they learned a pretty valuable lesson in this game is that we saw a lot of times last year that this team would go down early or go into some kind of deficit at some point, but they knew they had the talent to just erase any lead whenever they wanted. And they let up in this game, it spiraled out of control. And as the game went on more and more, they started to kind of realize that they don't have that firepower right now. They have McKinnon, they have Rantanen, they have McCarr. These guys are playing all the minutes and they're not getting any help from anybody lower on in the lineup. And you also have Dennis Mulgan get hurt in the third period. I totally oh, just forgot about that until yeah. you just brought that back. You know, I, I totally did too because I was still like, why did he play 47? So, oh, yeah, because he got friggin' hurt in this game. I mean, they've just got no help in this game. And this was a game that last year, even if that stretch happens, they win this game six to three without question. And this was, in my opinion, a adjustment for this team to maybe right now realize you can't get away with things like that yep. right now, even against you, you, a team like the Canucks. You have to play a structured game. You you just at this moment, you do not have the skill outside of the top line to just outskill every team. And even though the Canucks, like I'll give the Canucks credit, they played a good defensive third period. Like they really were solid in that third period. Um, but I, I forget who tweeted it. Uh, it was a stat that it was like, it was like uh, Alex Newhook, uh, Andrew Cogman, like six of the like eleven forwards for the Abs didn't register a shot on goal. I think it was. I think it was. Ev- I think it was Evan who ended up tweeting yeah. that. But yeah, you had Evan Rodriguez with five. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong game. You yeah. had Cogliano with zero. Comfer with zero, Mulgan with zero. It was just really tough. Cout with zero, Myers with zero, like you said, Newhook with zero. And you have a guy like Rantanen with nine and a guy like Lekkonen with five. It's got to be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, incredibly frustrating. And watching that game, like I think you texted me that. It's like, I almost wish this game was like, we were down by like four, so I could just turn this off, but it's a one goal game. So I have to stay because yeah. all it takes is one shot. And it, that whole third period was just torture. I, if we're being honest, it was torture. <laughs> it was really bad. Cause like it, that could not have come at a worse time. You were, you're on a four game losing streak. You've just not played well recently at all. There's no two ways around that. You have not played well one bit. Well, and- I, I, I don't think they've played particularly bad. It's just, they've had like a, 
10 minute spurt in this, in that losing streak where they would just be absolutely awful and it cost them the game. And then they'd be fine the rest of the 50 minutes. Right. Like, like, you know, I mean, like against Vegas, I thought they played pretty solid against Vegas, but there was that 10 minute stretch at the start of the second period where Vegas just took the fuck over. And if you go to this Vancouver game, I thought they played really well in the first 35 minutes of this game. And then that five minute stretch in the second period, just it unraveled for them. Yeah. That's exactly it. And it couldn't have come at a worse time because now you're staring down a five-game losing streak. And this is the easy part of the schedule. It's Vancouver. Yes, it's on the road. But this is a very beatable team, and you're giving away a very winnable game. And you have the Oilers coming up at the end of the week in Edmonton. And you know that that is a petty team that is going to be out for some blood in that game. And now (laughs) if that game goes poorly, you're looking at six games in a row. And then things are really going to start to spiral out of control from there. So I understand the frustration and thank God for that Oilers game. Yes. Because this could have been a really, really down episode. Yeah, it really could have been. And for 40 minutes of this game, uh, we both were texting kind of like, man, this is going to be like, like we love doing the show and we love getting on here to talk about the abs. I was dreading this episode yeah. if the abs wouldn't have made that comeback because I don't like being negative. I, I don't like being negative about this team. <laughs> and it, if that, if the score were to held, we would have had to come on here and just had one of the more depressing episodes we've had in a long time. And the boys battled. They really battled and they got us the the two points. But let's let's go to the start of this Edmonton game um, because I really liked the way the Avs played in that first period. I, I thought it was very indicative for how the game was going to go. I think the McKinnon post happened in the first period. Was yes. it in the first period? Yeah. So the Avs five on five were absolutely insane. I love what Jared Bednar did splitting up McKinnon and Rantanen. I thought that was a very, very good call. Um, it helps when Evan Rodriguez comes back into the lineup for this game and real quick about Evan Rodriguez. Did, did you anticipate him to be this integral to this team? Because there is a noticeable difference whenever Evan Rodriguez is on the ice for the Avs. I was interested to see what he would do coming into the season. Uh, we are almost halfway through. You must resign him. He has to stay. He has to stay here. He is so important to this offense. He's just so good. He's so talented. He fits so well with this team. You have to sign him. This is not like a, this can't be another Berkey thing where you just don't have the money and you spend the money elsewhere. I think you have to find a way to bring this guy back. Cause I don't think it's going to be super expensive. It's going to be more than what it is right now, but I think you can work out a reasonable deal with Evan Rodriguez. And I think he has to stay. He is incredible i love him and when you when he's out of the lineup and when he's in there is a very clear difference it's it's just the the offense just seems to run smoother and i him with mckinnon and lekkonen i i think we may have found something there because the way that lekkonen and rodriguez forecheck and i think the how much rodriguez like rodriguez's willingness to shoot the puck I think really benefits him when he's playing with a guy like McKinnon because he's going to get a lot of open shots and going back to your Berkey thing. Like if Andre Burkowski just would have played with me, Nathan McKinnon and shot the puck more, he'd probably still be with the abs. Like, let's be real. Um, he would have gotten an even better contract because yeah. he would have had 30 goals. Yeah. So I really, I agree with you. We got to find a way to keep this guy around because he is, one of the more important pieces for this Avs team. And it was very evident how great, like how important he is to this team. 
Yeah, it's incredibly clear. And I totally agree. Having him with Lekkonen and McKinnon is a really great combination. It's great to know that that's an option. And even once guys start to come back, maybe maybe you keep McKinnon on that line and you have Landeskog, Kompfer, and Rantanen as a line or whoever you go out and get at the trade deadline. Like It does feel good to at least know you have some options in this game. It feels really good. And I... We talked about Alex Newhook in that Vancouver game about how he wasn't very good. I thought in this game against Edmonton, it was one of his best games. I know he doesn't end up on the score sheet, but he was very good defensively. And I've been saying this all year, man. I want to get Newhook with a playmaker like Miko Ranton. I think that's what he needs. He's not there yet to be the self-starter of an offense. But if you give him a guy like Miko Ranton, it's amazing what happens when you when he's playing with a, a player of high skill. Yeah, it's incredible what happens. And I totally agree, especially late in that third period when Edmonton started to press and looked like maybe they might get a late go-ahead goal. He made a really nice play towards the end of that game to break up the Oilers' chance and get that puck out of the zone and force that game into overtime. I I totally agree. This was one of his strongest games of the season. He was fantastic. Like All the forwards I thought were pretty good. Um, But if we go back to the first period, like we said, the Avs played pretty well. McKinnon hits a post. I didn't like, I can't remember what the penalty was. I didn't think it was a, oh, it was the interference on new hook. Yeah. I, I did not like that call. This will be a theme of this game is uh, there were a lot of uh, iffy calls in my opinion that went against the abs. I thought those two were just battling in front of the net. I thought Ryan went down super easy and it results in a two minute penalty for the abs. What are your, what were your thoughts on it? I thought that was awful call in the playoffs. The the referee doesn't even think of that as a penalty because it's apt. That's two guys battling in front of the net. And one of the guys goes down pretty easily. I was shocked that they made that call. And of course they scored on it. Of course they scored. scored The second that was called, I knew like, okay, so we're going to be down one, nothing here. There's no way they don't score on a call that ridiculous. Did, did you get a chance this toy off topic? Did you watch the Sabres versus wild game tonight? Uh, they have the highlights on right now. I watched a little bit of the the second period, but the the overtime there were like four or five like legit tackles on the ice, and they didn't call it. So I was like, okay, so we're gonna let that go in a different different game. But in this, when they they just bump into each other, we're gonna call that shit on New Hook. Um, and the goal, I mean, Hyman, like Zach Hyman's been really fucking good this year. It helps playing with Connor McDavid, like that, that helps. But there was nothing that Georgie could do on this play. Absolutely nothing. No. I mean, it was just, it was a perfect pass. Did you, I didn't get a chance to see the replay. Maybe you saw it. Did Taves get cross-checked before that goal? Yeah, he did. He, okay. got, cross, he got a bit cross-checked before that goal. And it's just, we'll talk about it more with some of these other calls. The standard in this game, especially in the first 40 minutes, was completely skewed towards the Oilers. We we get that call on Newhook in front of the net on, on a nothing play. I mean, it's not like Newhook's a huge guy who he's not Curse McDermott knocking people over like a bowling ball. He's Alex Newhook. He's like barely six feet tall. And you had, who did he knock down again? It was Derek Ryan, I believe. Yeah. It, yeah, it was Derek Ryan. Derek Ryan goes down super easy. And right before the goal, you have Taze cross checked in front of the net with nothing and then basically ends up right in the net after that. And after the first period that they played, which was really good, really hard not to be incredibly frustrated after that. Oh. I thought we were going to get a Stuart Clint, like Stuart Skinner masterclass, and they're just going to get goalied again. And we we did, we did for a majority of this game. He, he was he really definitely good. came close. Yeah, he was really good. But yeah, after that first period, I I was still encouraged because the way they played, you were like, okay, 
they're, they're right there. Like this is Stuart Skinner. We're talking about, he's not going to fucking keep making all these saves. And then you go into the second period and it, it was a lot of the same things. I, I thought the abs in the second period dominated five on five. They created a ton of chances. And then you get what I think is one of the most confusing calls in recent memory for the NHL. Like they call Sam Gerrard for goalie interference and I get he goes into the goalie, but he's trying to make a play on the puck. Like that puck's right there in the crease. Yeah, How he, do you call that? Right. He's trying to score a goal because the puck is right there. I've Have you not seen that happen like six times a game in every single game that you've ever watched in your life? Like what happens if he scores there? If that puck goes in, what's the call there? Is that still goalie interference? Does the right, goal count? Because that, that puck would have gone in well before he ever would have touched Stuart Skinner. I don't understand how that's goalie interference. Like if you want to call something, maybe that's like roughing or something. Like I don't understand that call one bit. It was so bad, dude. It was absolutely atrocious. And I, it was another one of those things you texted me saying like, they're they're going to score here. Like they are going to score here. Yeah, they were absolutely, I had no doubt in my mind they were going to score. And of course, with like a few seconds left on the power play, the puck goes off the backboards and McDavid's poking at it. Hyman pushes the pad of Georgiev and the puck winds up in the net. Looking at this, I think this was a 50-50 call. But the optics of it after calling goalie interference on Gerard and then calling this a good goal is utterly ridiculous. Yeah. It it was one of those things like now that the abs won, I, I'm kind of glad that they didn't overturn that because in my opinion, I thought the puck was going in the net already. In the moment, I was like, you could call that goalie interference. We've seen less get called for goalie interference. Um and I was I, I don't know. I, I think if the abs would have lost this game, I'd be a lot more pissed about this call because there's still no understanding of what goalie interference is in the NHL anymore. Like there's just no understanding of what is and what isn't because we've seen like a guy grazes the goalie with his butt and it's like, that's goalie interference. But this one where the guy's legit pushing Georgiev into the net, that that's nothing. Right. I mean, I agree that that puck was already going in, but he's still pushing the goalie before the goal is scored. You don't know how that's affecting him and his ability to make the save. And so I I personally think I would have leaned towards goalie interference. And again, the optics of that after you make that ridiculous call on Gerard, putting him in the box for goalie interference, and then you have a goalie interference the other way and give it in favor of the Oilers, putting us back on the penalty kill again, and then you call Eric Johnson for hitting Connor McDavid, putting us in a five on three. It's basically six straight minutes of being shorthanded against the Oilers. I'm shocked we only gave up one. Yeah. And what were your thoughts? I, I saw this kind of going around Twitter. Like, did you like the challenge by Bednar? Yes. Yes, I absolutely did. That's a, at worst a 50 50 chance of getting that call overturned. And a power play scores what at best like 30% of the time you give up one there. And even if that goes against you, okay, you got to kill another penalty, but if it goes right, it's still a one goal game and you're back out of the box and you can get this game evened up. I think it was a good gamble to take because I, I personally think I would have ruled it interference. And if you think you can get it called back, you have to try. I agree. I agree. I, 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 I think in that moment, in that point of the game, that's a huge turning point. Because if that goal goes off the board, it's still one nothing. I think they scored with like maybe a second left in overtime. 
I think it or not overtime in the power play. Yeah, I think, I think they scored like four ish seconds left yeah. on the power play. So if you get that call, you're looking really good to kill off this penalty and you can at least try and salvage some momentum going into the third period. But I, I like the call. I like the challenge. Um, I wouldn't say I like the call, but I like the challenge by uh by Jared Bednar. I think that's his first challenge lost all year. So it's now that you mention it. I think so. Yeah, I think that's his first like it's rare in the NHL now where a challenge isn't successful. Like I feel like the success rate of challenges is very, very high. Yeah. I mean, and and that's that's what I mean with deciding to challenge that. Like if you feel like you've got it and this should be overturned, you have to challenge it. And I, I still don't understand the penalty thing. Like I just think that should I get what they're trying to do with it, but in practice, it's completely ridiculous that like we're trying to dissuade people from challenging plays that they think should be overturned. I get you want to make sure that teams are absolutely sure before you have 10 minute reviews, but it just doesn't make any Name sense. another sport where a challenge is like results in like your team being at a disadvantage. Like right. in the NFL, like, like, you can challenge, you lose a timeout. NBA, you challenge, you lose your timeout. Right. Like I th- it, and, maybe, and maybe that's the same thing for the NHL. You challenge, and if you get it wrong, you you can't call a timeout late in the game or something. And I, I, do they not do that already? Well, you lose your timeout and you get a penalty. It's yeah. a severe. It's a severe like risk you take challenging a call. It's just like like imagine in the NFL, you challenge the the spot on the field, and you get There's a fifteen yard penalty on fifteen yard penalty. Yeah. Like it's. I don't know. I just I've never understood that rule change. It's pretty recent too. Is what? It, well, it's one of those things where, like, when you were talking at first, I was kind of like, ah, no. I mean, I I kind of like it. And then you think about it, like in every other sport where there's replay review, you're like, wait, this is like the only league where you get severely penalized if you don't get a challenge correct. Right. Like like imagine challenging a ruling in baseball and you get it wrong and they just add another out. Like it just doesn't it doesn't yeah. make sense. Or like they get a runner on third, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it's, it, you say that now and I'm like, damn, that is, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Cause I, I think, didn't think, I think about that was, that your, I think that was your point, man. Yeah. No, but like when you were first talking, I was kind of like, no, I kind of like the, I kind of like that you can get a penalty for challenging, but um, yeah, the, the, it results. Well, it's not even abs- just, it's not even just that. It's also, that's just goalie interference. You don't yeah. get penalized for challenging offside. No, you do. You do. You, you do. do it happened in it happened in the Anaheim uh, San Jose game last night. Maybe I'm just remembering that. Yeah, there's something that you don't get penalized for, right? Mm, I don't think so. I think if you challenge anything, I think you can get penalized for it. But speaking of that, did you you didn't watch that San Jose Anaheim game? You could not have paid me money, dude. To well, I gambled on it. So Sharks game. Um, um, there was another one of those plays where. Uh, Mason McTavish scores to tie the game. It looks like a blatant offsides, but it was a repeat of game two in the Western conference finals. Like the, I forget which player was bringing in for the ducks. He's carrying in, but since he didn't touch the puck, the play was technically not offsides and the ducks player was able to tag up and they referenced the Kale McCarr like foul thing. And I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot that fucking happened. But you ask anyone in Edmonton, I'm sure they're well aware that that. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a, uh, I was watching, I was like, damn, that is a crazy fucking play. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you go down to nothing in this game. I, I don't know about you, but I was like, I, I, I don't know if we can score two goals, man. I just, how this game's going. I, I don't know if we can score two goals. 
Yeah, I was incredibly frustrated at this point because we were playing well. We were playing better than the Oilers in this game. At five on five, we were dominating this game. And they had given them a bunch of power plays and were down two. And even still, I was like, you just get one here before the end of the period or early in the third. It's a completely different game. You get a power play late in the second period. You get Zach Hyman punching Sam Gerrard or no, that was the, that was in the first period. You had the cost and trip on Miko Rantanen. They don't score on the power play, at least with the time remaining in the second period. And it's just, uh, I was already thinking about this episode. like, if we don't score on this should, maybe we should just start recording it kind of early. I, I, I think I text you back and said, we just need one. We just need one and we'll, we'll end this game. And uh, lo and behold, uh, We've this game featured four of the top five NHL players in the world. Um, and one of them and his, his name's Nathan McKinnon made an absolute superstar play. Um, he beats it. It's good to know McKinnon still has that speed and that NHL defensemen still don't like, like what's the best word? Like understand how fast he is because he burned like, Cody. It's like they forget. Yeah. Like, Oh, that's right. Nathan McKinnon's one of the fastest players in the league, and he split the defense so easy. Beautiful, beautiful top shelf shot right over Stuart Skinner's glove hand. McKinnon's 10th of the year. And I didn't realize this until uh, they said on the broadcast that outside of Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon was the only other av to get to 10 goals. Uh, oh, yeah. Until... We, we talked, we talked yeah. about that last episode that Rantanen is right now the only player to be at double digits and he's at 26. But now you have McKinnon at 10. And uh, spoilers, Kale McCarr is also now yep. at 10 goals. But this was the big turning point in the game. You had Nathan McKinnon back from injury. And it's like, this is obviously what the team had been missing over the last little while. It's like sometimes Nathan McKinnon is just like, fuck it, fine. I'll do it myself, and I will. And he skates through the entire Oilers defense, goes upstairs. I mean, he did that a ton of times in the Western Conference Final Two against the Oilers. He just loves the challenge of playing against Edmonton and Connor McDavid. He answers that bell every single time. At this point, we... He had 11 shots on goal this game. <laughs> 11 shots on goal in this game in 23 minutes. He was not letting this go to six in a row. Even if it killed him, he was not letting this losing streak go to six in a row. And after that, you could feel the shift in the energy surrounding this team. It's like, okay, we got one. And you still got 16 minutes left. You have been winning this game at five on five. This is not just like you got a fluky goal and you've been getting beat up all game like we have in some other games recently. You have a shot in this game. And the team picked it up after that. Stort Skinner continued to play well. And finally, just something that the Avs have not been able to get all season. Someone just steps the fuck up. And it's Brad Hunt who steps up and scores his first goal as an ab with an absolute ripper of a shot to tie the game at two. When we look back on the end of the season, this goal we are going to pinpoint as something that changed everything. Obviously the Kale McCarr winner was spectacular, but Brad Hunt specifically it being Brad Hunt who scored this goal, I think absolutely changed everything about this team's attitude. Like we figured it out. We got it. We got someone who just stepped up, stepped up and score a huge goal. Now we got a tie game. Now let's go finish this. Yeah. I mean, 
you could feel that coming for Brad Hunt. Like he hasn't been playing like he, he was good in this game. Yeah. He had a, he had an opportunity I think in in the in the second period where he had a really good scoring chance that got shut down by Stuart Skinner. And he was he started to get pretty close in the last couple of games. He was good. He was good tonight. And you could feel that coming for him. Like even in the Vancouver game, I thought he had a couple shots. And I was like, he's getting close. And like you said, it was just the like it felt like once that goal went in, it was like, okay, we're back, baby. Like we're we're fucking back. Like this team has confidence again. You get the big goal from a third pair defenseman who granted when everything's going right, he's not going to be in your lineup. Like you get that big goal from a depth guy. And it was, I was kind of worried because I was like, why is McCarr not grabbing this puck? Like, why is he just laying this exit of the zone? And sure enough, Brad Hunt comes fucking flying into the zone and just rips one past Skinner. And I was watching the replay of it. I think what helped him a little bit is he fumbled the puck. Like he fumbled the puck a little bit. And I think that threw Skinner off just a little bit. And he just ripped it past him on the far side. Like it was an absolutely perfect shot by Brad Hunt. And my favorite part of that goal is when they cut to Devon Taves in the penalty box and he just gives a little fist bump. <laughs> like He's like, let's fucking go. Um, but I mean, the way that four on four even happened, like it was almost another broken play where it was like, man, the Oilers are going to get a fucking breakaway off of the abs dominating the zone and Devon Taves. I still don't think he held Hyman. I think Hyman grabs his stick and pulls him down. I, I, I think that's more of a, they called the embellishment on Hyman. I don't know what Devon Taves is supposed to do there when the guy literally elbow, like fucking puts him. What's the hold in UFC where he just fucking like, like locks in his stick to his side and like, what's Devon Taves supposed to do? Like he's trying to get a stick back. Um, I didn't love that call, but yeah, it worked I, th- out I think it was, they're trying to to keep this game even at a certain point. And I, th- I think they were looking for the call on Taves once Hyman went down, but Hyman went down really easily. And they, that's one where like, they don't want to call embellishment, but if you make it that obvious, they're going to call you every time. It, it, and it should have been like, I still don't think Devon Taves deserved a penalty there. Yeah. I still but don't. I, also, like... I mean, the thing about embellishment that I don't like is I, it's one or the other, but the way it works in the NHL is that they don't call the embellishment without the penalty. So if they don't call it on Hyman, they don't call anything on Taves. That, which, but which is the embellishment leads to the penalty, in my opinion, right. in that circumstance. I completely right. agree like, with you. Ca- can you name a time where they've just called embellishment? Not off recent memory, no. Yeah, exactly. I cannot remember a single time that I've just been like, embellishment, go to the box. It's always penalty, but he embellished it. Which is it? Did what? Did the penalty happen or did he embellish the penalty happen? It can't be both, but it's always both and it's dumb. Yeah, dude, I was watching uh I was watching a basketball a college basketball game today and they called a flop warrant like they called a flop foul and the team that uh the team that didn't flop got two free throws on the ball. I was like that is a fucking genius idea. Why are we not doing this in the NHL? Like if it's an embellishment, that's a penalty on Hyman and Hyman only in my personal opinion. Um but yeah, I, I didn't love that, but it worked out well for the Avs. I, I was shitting my pants a little bit when it went four on four. I'm not going to lie to you. I was shitting my pants because McKinnon's line had just had that super long like shift in the Oilers zone, and you knew they weren't coming out, and I, w- I was shitting my pants a little bit. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, if you told me uh, four on four, who do you think scores the goal? Brad Hunt's probably second to last on my list next to Curtis McDermott. But he comes through, scores a massive goal that changed the entire momentum of this game. 
but it wasn't over at this point. The Avs were not in full control from this point on because the Oilers actually responded pretty well to that goal. Oh, yeah. The they, Oilers, they, they, they responded they, really well. Yeah, they came back in the final 10 minutes of this game, and they, they had me sweating a little bit. The Oilers came really close to scoring a bunch of times. The Avs get another power play. Leon Dreisaitl just elbows Darren Helm in the head. Clearly. Isn't that a five-minute? Like, sh- shouldn't that be a five-minute? I think, I think if he really hurt him, it would have been a five minute. But the the audacity that Drysaddle has to complain about that call because I, I was looking for it on the replay. I was like, oh, was that the? Co- oh, yeah. that's the. Yeah, it wasn't like it was an accident. Like they're battling for the puck on the boards, and he just rips his elbow up and elbows him in the side of the head. And then he looks at the ref who called, be like, "What are you talking about? You elbowed him." <laughs> Has Leon Dreisaitl for you gone from like a player that was super likable to like ever since we played him in the playoffs? I fucking hate the guy. I think he's a whiny piece of shit. I, I think it's not Dreisaitl. I think it's just the Oilers ever since that series, ever since we played them in the regular season last year, they have just gone all the way down on my list. I am so sick of their fucking attitude. Every single time, I'm so happy we swept them. Even losing one game to that group of whiny piss babies would have bothered me so much. I mean, here's the thing. Like, for me, Leon Dreisel, he's a fantastic player. Top five player in the league. Yeah, top, um, top five player in the world and wasted on the Edmonton yeah, Oilers. Wasted on the Oilers. Connor McDavid, you can hate him all you want, but he's the best player in the world. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the best he, player in the world. He's the best player we've had since Wayne Gretzky, and he's going to score the Triple Crown this season. First of all, the Triple Crown is such a stupid name for it. If you're leading in goals and assists, obviously you have the most points, so yeah. that I don't it, care. Yeah, it makes no sense. Could you imagine? I wonder if that's happened where like a guy led in goals and assists. No, it can't happen. No, it, it, can't literally, happen. it, literally, it literally can't happen. happen. It's, those, it's are the only, those are the only two ways you can score points. Yeah, it's statistically impossible. But like, I, I just, I watch Leon Dreisaitl and I'm like, you're just a whiny piece of shit. Like, you're a really good fucking hockey player. I think, I'm going to say a hot take here. I think he's better than Austin Matthews. I do. I think Leon Dreisaitl is a better overall hockey this player. This season, he's better than Austin Matthews. Yeah. Last year, Matthews was better, but this year, I'd, I'd prefer Dreisaitl. Yeah. And it changes. It doesn't always have to be one or the Correct. other. It Correct. It can change. Opinions can change over time, believe it or not. Yeah. So I, I just think he's a whiny piece of shit. And we're, we're going to penalize Darren Helm for not getting concussed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. to me, that elbow's blatant. And because Darren Helm's not fucking knocked out on the ice, we're not going to call it a five-minute penalty. Yeah, like, like I, I just think a play like that really does not have a place in any sport. No. Like, I know everyone's like, oh, the hockey's so sun. You can't elbow people. It's a cheap shot. It's a, it's a cheap shot to a guy who's just literally doing his job and battling for the puck along the boards. It's just such a, like, just such a crazy thing to do at that point in the game. Because if, if we had scored on that power play, I'm sure that that would have been a much bigger point of conversation in this game. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I know the Avs did not score a single power play goal tonight, but I thought the power play looked better. Um, they, I think they're still trying to make the perfect play a lot of the times when it's just like, just get the puck to the front of the net and go for a deflect. Like, JT Comper is one of the best like deflectors of pucks in the NHL. And when you get Gabe Landeskog back, he's just the same. I feel like they're trying those cross-ice passes too much. Yeah, there, and, there was one with Rantanen where he he had Kale McCarr back at the point, but he saw Nathan McKinnon with a little bit of space and tried to pass it through three people. It would have resulted in a goal, except for the fact that you're playing people and not cardboard cutouts, so they very easily broke that up. 
Yeah, I I was thinking of that exact same play. I was like, just just make the smart play and go back up to Kale and then just get it over to McKinnon and he can rifle one. Um, it, it's just they're trying to make the perfect play, and that like the the results are going to start to come when it comes to this power play again. It's going to, but I I did see signs of improvement from this power play yeah, tonight. It's it's gonna start to go in. They've been incredibly cold lately. They got the one against the Canucks, but other than that, it's just been it's been close. It's been better. But especially since McKinnon's been back, it's going to get better, but it's like anything. It's just going to take some time. And eventually, once one goes in, another's going to go in, and more and more are going to start to go in, and we're going to wonder why we ever bothered even worrying about it. But towards the end of this game, the Oilers were really dangerous late in this game. And I know he got held off the score sheet in this game, but I got to give a shout-out to my man, JT Comfer, who was great. probably had his best defensive game of the season. He's been really good defensively all season. He saved the abs in this game and got them two points with some of those plays he made. And I know we're all thinking of the one with like two minutes left where he broke up what would have been a sure goal, but he was incredible in his own end this entire game. And man, he is just having such a great season. And I really, really hope he can keep it up because it's been such a pleasure to watch. I mean, even if he goes down a little bit, like that's still a really good fucking hockey player right now. Um, And obviously when everyone starts to get healthy and players start returning to this lineup, he's going to get bumped down. But I kind of love him in a third line role right now. Will he get, will he get bumped down? It's not like we got any centers coming back. I mean, I imagine they'll play Landy at center. Probably not to start. Probably not to start, but having that ace in the hole with what JT Confer has been this year is just going to be such a fucking addition. Um, because yeah, I, I think what's going to suck and it's not, it's not bad. It, it's a good problem to have. Cause when Val comes back, obviously he slots into that second, second line winger uh, with, I'd assume Miko and JT, but I, I really want to keep new hook up there. I think if you give new hook the opportunity to play with these guys, I think you're going to see more and more ascension in his play. I, um, I, I think with where we are right now and desperately needing goals, I agree. I, I don't think you can afford to experiment. Yeah, that completely agree. Completely agree. But it, it is like, it's a good problem to have because yeah, I perfect. would love to see, I would love to see new hook continue to get these types of opportunities where like, there's no one else who can bump him out of the top six right now. There's yeah. no one. So I'd love to see him continue to get those minutes. And even if he makes a mistake, he's not going to get bumped down. Uh, but when Val comes back, it's no question. Val's going on that line and knew yeah. he's going down. I, once Val comes back, I think I really like the combination of top line, Lekkinen, McKinnon, Rodriguez. And then you have Val with Kompfer and Rantanen. I, I think that for the time being, until Landeskog comes back, that is a killer top six. Agreed. Agreed. So, and it sounds like Val's getting close. It yeah, does. It, like, it doesn't sound like he's going to be out too much. Like he seemed to be on a similar timetable to, to Erod. And now that we have Erod back, I imagine we'll see Val over the next two games. I would be shocked if we don't see him on Tuesday against the yeah. Panthers. I'll we, be shocked. We surprisingly have, a, well, not a couple that. days off. Yeah, a couple days off. It, I, it's 2 a.m. for me right now. So it's currently, <laughs> it currently Sunday. But so we have two days off before we play Florida. I imagine we'll see him back for that one, but at the latest, probably Chicago. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but before we go into overtime of this game where it all kind of broke loose, I wanted to give a shout out to the third line of Darren Helm, uh, Logan O'Connor, and Andrew Cogliano. I thought they were really fucking good tonight, like really good. And it was good to see that line get reunited. Yeah, I, I love those guys together. Helm. 
O'Connor and Cogliano was just such a killer fourth line in the playoffs. And they're just really frustrating to play against when they're clicking, even when they're not too big of a threat offensively, which they usually aren't. And they weren't in this game. They're just a pain in the ass to play. Yeah. And for a team like the Oilers, where they very heavily lean on McDavid and Dreisaitl, they don't really have that same frustrating line that they can throw out there. Like maybe guys that can swim, but not really be super dangerous on either end. And we obviously, obviously our third line's not super dangerous in the offensive zone, but you're not scoring on them if they don't want you to. Nope. They, they're rock solid. Darren Helm has been exactly what I thought he was going to be when he came back from injury. He's just a nuisance to play against. And I, I hope that line sticks together. I hope they can stay healthy throughout the year because that when everything's going right, that's going to be a fantastic fourth line once again. Yeah, it's going to be a great fourth line, especially once we start to get guys back. But, dude, this overtime, my God. I mean, we needed to win this one, obviously. Getting a point out of this game was nice, but we got a point against the Kings, and we're not really celebrating that at the moment, are we? You needed to win this one. And you get a little bit of a chance early, and then Miko made a nice defensive play. But the puck just bounced right to the Oilers. I'm like, oh my fucking God. dude! No, I know exactly. It bounced off Comfort. It yeah, bounced it off Comfort. Off, yeah, it bounced off Comfort. It goes right to the Oilers. I'm like, oh, this is how you got to be kidding me. This is yes. how it ends. And it's a. I've watched so many Oilers overtimes over the years, and it's almost like all of them end the exact same way with the two on one. No matter who it is, pass across, wide open net, rings it off the crossbar. So, so lucky on both ends of the ice. Lucky for the Oilers to even get that chance because of that bounce. And so lucky for us that it rings off of the crossbar. And I was like, okay, we got that. So surely we'll win this one still, right? And then they get another chance. Hyman also hits the crossbar. And then he gets the puck to bounce back to him in midair, bats it out of the air. I'm like, well, there we go. That clearly just went, nope. Georgiev was in the right place to stop it, just kept it off of the goal line. And the other way, Kel McCarr, after playing 32 minutes in regulation, reminds everybody on Hockey Night in Canada, on one of the biggest stages of the regular season, just casual reminder that maybe keep me up there in that best player in the world conversation. Just goes right through everyone and a disgusting snipe on Stort Skinner ends the Avalanche's losing streak at five games in a row, their biggest win of the season by far. And Kale McCarr, he's getting a little bit of disrespect this season. Not a ton, but a little bit, just because he hasn't been on the 100-point pace that maybe we were expecting him to be coming He's only at a point per game, man. He's just fucking sucks. (laughs) Well, it's also because Eric Carlson's at, like, what, like a 110-point pace right now? Eric Carlson's playing unreal. He's playing unreal right now. And Adam Fox is having a nice season as well. So people are forgetting about Kale a little bit. But just every now and again, Kale comes down and reminds everyone who really runs the show here. And my God, that man is so talented. Scores the biggest goal of the season for the Avs to end that losing streak. I really hope my neighbors did not wake up because I was so pumped at that goal. Oh. That, was, that was essentially a playoff celebration for me. That felt so good to get that off our backs. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, 
Light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into big payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. Dude, I was, my girlfriend's working tonight and I texted her. I'm like, I am so glad you're not here right now because I am losing my shit. <laughs> like, I was screwed. You would have thought it was the Darren Helm game six goal. Like, you would have thought that's how big that goal was. Um, but it, it just felt like, as a fan, like it felt like a weight was lifted off our shoulders. And I can't imagine what that's going to do for this team because this was a game where it seemed like it was going to be, oh, God, here we go. We're playing well, but none of the bounces are going our way. And then, in that overtime, you almost have a bad bounce go your way, leads you to a one. You finally get a good bounce off of the post, and you get a second good bounce, and then you just get bailed out with the fact that if Hyman puts that puck anywhere else off that deflection, it's a goal. But he hit it right into Georgiev, and I was telling you before we start recording, I was waiting for the horn to sound because I thought that puck went in, yeah. and I think Hyman thought that puck went in. Yeah, um, I, I think everyone thought that puck went in because like how can you he, like your not even looking at you how can you not score that goal he just puts it right into his pads and man that kale mccarr goal i'm i'm so glad i live alone sometimes because i would be evicted so quickly <laughs> if i wasn't thankfully even daisy was in the other room she knows like when i start getting too antsy during games and she just goes and chills in her own little space she left me alone for this one i'm very glad she did but dude, this game was intense, man. Like I, I was, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time because I think even though it was game 40 or game 39, whatever it was, you could feel the difference in it. Like this was a, a big hockey game and the abs responded for what feels like the first time since that national game, they responded and they finally played a full 60 fucking minutes of good hockey and they deserve to win this game. They, they hundred percent deserve to win this game. If you're an Oilers fan, you should be thankful you got a point out of this game because you got absolutely dominated in this game. You got yeah. absolutely dominated. Yeah, the Avs absolutely deserve to win this game 100%. This game was, again, not close at even strength. The Avs absolutely killed the Oilers at 5-on-5. Five five. It was not close one bit. The Oilers got kept in this game by power plays and getting strange opportunities on the power play. And Stuart Skinner is finally giving them NHL caliber goaltending. He finished this game at a 935 because the Avs had 46 shots in this game. And I also think it's the Oilers and the Avs get up for the Oilers because it's not a huge rivalry because they're not in the same division. But that playoff series, these teams don't like each other and they love playing against each other. These are two of the most talented teams in the league. I also think that having that comeback against the Oilers and tying that game really is going to ignite this team. Because if this was against like the Blue Jackets or something, or even if this was the the Canucks game, it would feel good. But beating the Oilers just feels a little extra good sometimes. Oh, yeah. 
100% feels a lot better. Um, but before we go off of this game, like Alexander Gurigev made his like what 13th straight start or something ridiculous like that. It certainly seems like, even if it's not 13, I think it's like nine or 10, but he has played pretty much every game for a month straight. He was fantastic in this game and he was good against Vancouver. He did not deserve to lose that game against no, he Vancouver. He, he faced 42 shots against the Canucks and he finished with a 929. And in this game against Edmonton, he finished. Ultimately, he faced about 30 shots. He finished this game with a 9.33. He was fantastic. Like, he he is consistently playing just really good hockey for this Avs team, and he's been the reason why these games have been kept close for a very long time. Um, but, man, I, I, I echo everything you just said, man. This game was massive. It changes the entire outlook of this season. Um, and... We're going to look back on it. Like you said, we're going to look back on this at the end of the year and be like, remember that was the turning point. Like, like, you know how they always say like the championship DVDs, like this will be the opening thing. If the Avs win the Stanley cup, this game, this yeah. game will be it. It's at very least, there's going to be a focal point is winning that game. changed the attitude of this team, whether we bow out in the first round or go on to win back-to-back cups, this is going to be the point that this team used to propel themselves to more wins into a playoff spot, no matter where they finish this, it's going to be tough for this to be topped as the biggest win of the season. It's even as games get closer and you win games over other playoff teams to improve your positioning at this point, after losing five in a row and playing well in the first 40 minutes of being down two to nothing, this is going to go down in my opinion, barring a crazy other game against like the wild or something like that. This is going to be the biggest win of the entire season. And that is a bold take in game 38, but very bold I, take. I very much believe that. And I completely agree with you because you go and look at the rest of this week or next week ahead. You have three winnable hockey games, three very winnable hockey games. The Panthers, I mean, I've watched a lot of the Panthers lately, dude. They just aren't, they, they aren't very good. Like, um, their, their underlying stats seem to be okay. But when you watch them, it's just like, it doesn't feel like there's a ton of life in that team. No, no, it doesn't. So that game, I don't know if they'll start Bobrovsky or Spencer Knight. If they start Bobrovsky, hell yeah, because he has not been good. Uh, Although he was good against Detroit last night, but it's Detroit. You should win that game on home ice. After all this momentum that you just get Val's coming back, you should win that game. And then you got, and then you got Chicago on Thursday. If you lose that game, like, come on, man. Come on. Like, you should not lose that game. So, and then you got Ottawa on Saturday at home. Ottawa just gave up eight goals to the Seattle Kraken tonight at home. Eight goals to the Seattle Kraken. I know the Kraken can score, but any team that gives up eight goals, you're having a little bit of a problem. Yeah, I definitely say that much. And if you lose this game against Florida, like that, that'll be a big letdown, like a big 100%. emotional letdown. Cause you got this win against the Oilers, which is great. You got to follow it up, though. You got to follow it up with another win on your home ice against a team that is just kind of mediocre right now. The Panthers are not bad. You have to take them seriously because they have a lot of good players, but they're just okay at the moment. And you need to ride this win into some a bunch of wins in a row to make up for lost time because now is the time to start rattling off wins, especially if you're getting Val back because now you've got your offense kind of pretty much back at this point outside of Morgan. We'll wait to see what's going on with him. You're still waiting for your defense to come back, but Panthers 
and Chicago and Ottawa. You got to win these. And against Detroit on the 16th, about eight days from now, you got to win that too, I'd say. At at least three of four. I I think this win changes the whole outlook of the season. You know what I mean? like Or not the season, this next week. Like, okay, if we play like that against these teams, we're going to win those games fucking easily. You win easily. Those games. If you play like that against the Canucks, you win that game, in my opinion, 5-1. to one. Agreed. Agreed. And this was the first time we have seen the Avs in, since Christmas play a complete hockey game. And if you can repeat that effort, you get Val back. Josh Manson's skating again. So that's good. I don't know if we talked about that on the last episode. It was after. Um, it was after. Yeah. But- he he's he's skating. Bo Byram's finally responding to whatever treatment he got. I don't know what the new treatment was yeah, that he started. We getting. finally got an answer on what the hell yeah. is going on with Bo. Is that they had the original timeline of a month, but just the treatment for whatever reason he just was not responding to it all. And now he is. So now we're kind of back on that month to yeah. month, or excuse me, week to week timetable of about a month. So probably early to late February's most likely when we're going to see Bo back, maybe a little after. I agree. And he's responding. Landy is, they already, I just love how they were like, oh yeah, we threw out that initial timeline on Landy like a week after, but we just didn't tell anyone. (laughs) We didn't feel like telling anyone like, oh, okay. So Landy's timeline's gotten pushed back. Yeah. I love the timetable is now it'll be this season. Don't worry. He'll be, he'll be back just when he's ready. Like I, it's just hilarious that they're like, yeah, he's, uh, he, his timeline got pushed back like a week after, but we just didn't, we just didn't say anything. So <laughs> it doesn't sound like Landy's coming back anytime soon. But I think if you add back Bo Manson and Val, you can get by without Landy. I would love to have him back. He's the best captain in the league, but you can get by with those guys, uh, just coming back alone. Yeah. Um, I, I think you have to look at Landeskog right now as a trade deadline acquisition. And yeah. A damn good one at that. But yeah. A 30 goal scorer. <laughs> yeah, a, th- a consistent 30 goal scorer and the best captain in the NHL. As as your trade deadline acquisition, that's pretty damn good. And whoever else you're planning on getting at the deadline, this team is still going to get better. And they're going to probably get Val back in this next game. They got Erod back tonight. We're seeing Manson back on the ice. Probably we're going to see some more progress on him in the coming weeks. Hopefully he's back before the end of the month. I think that's fair. I think end of the month's a good, if we don't see him back by the end of the month, I'll be a little bit concerned. Yeah. I I think that's a fair timetable for Manson right now. I mean, and really once you get Val back, you're missing Gabe, you're missing Bo, you're missing Josh and you're missing Frankie. That's, it's not good, but it's a lot more manageable than what it was a month ago when you had nobody at all. I think they activate Frankie probably on Morgan Morgan and Morgan. You activate Frankie, he'll probably be the backup against Florida, and then he'll probably play Thursday against the the Blackhawks. Um, I think I think if Frankie, whenever he's ready, he's got to play. Yes, like even if it's against a pretty good team, he has to play. Agreed. Georgiev needs some time off. Someone get this man a juice box and a blanket. He is yeah. got to be exhausted. I mean, and even if Frankie plays against the Panthers, I, I have confidence that this yeah. team can Fra- Frankie is good enough that you can play him against Florida. Even yeah. if, like even if you played him against the Oilers, oh, you did against the West in the Western Conference Finals. It worked out just fine. Yeah. It so worked out just fine. I have plenty of confidence in Frankie that when he is fully healthy, big caveat, when he is fully healthy, do not rush him back because he's not young. When he's fully healthy, I think you have to play him whenever he's ready. Yeah, and he went on this trip. So he, you know, he practiced with him the whole time. So you know he's close. Like he's probably really close. Um, 
I wouldn't be shocked if Monday we see Val's wearing a normal sweater and he's practicing with the team. Um, Manson will probably get some work Monday before the fuck before practice and they'll leave the ice. But it's I'm not going to say it's starting to look to turn around because there is still so much time left in the season. But compared to where we were a month ago, things are looking up injury yeah. front wise. And my God, how different this episode would be if Brad Hunt did not score that. Goal. Yeah, it'd be massive. And we didn't even talk about this. And I, I got to talk about it uh, as the number one Curtis McDermott guy uh, out there. Uh, when I saw he was playing as a defenseman tonight, uh, I shit my pants a little bit because uh, I did not, uh, I did not envision that going well. But he actually played pretty fucking good tonight. Like he didn't do anything where you like, God damn it, Curtis McDermott. He was actually pretty fucking solid, like all night. Yeah. And here's the most surprising stat of the game: Curtis McDermott played eight twenty six. I know. And, and he didn't know, do anything where you were like, fuck, Curtis, what are you doing, dude? Like, he didn't have he, any of those moments. He had no penalties and was not a minus. And he had hit and only one giveaway. And you know what? For Curtis McDermott, that might as well be a hat trick. I, I was pumped for him, man. And I got it. Like, you got to wonder, like, what is Jay Woodcroft doing? Whenever you see McDermott on the ice, I don't care where it's at. You throw out McDavid. Like, I, yeah. I feel like that matchup did not get exploited, like, at all tonight. I feel like there was maybe one chance in the first period where it was like, uh-oh, here comes the top line against our fourth line. Like, that didn't happen that much. Yeah, it re- it really didn't all that much. And thank thank God, finally, that McDermott, he's on the ice and it was not in active detriment. I mean, I... I don't hate Curtis McDermott, but it's just like when he's on the ice for every single game and there just gets a certain point where I'm like, why are we doing this? Especially when he was at forward and you have like perfectly good options just sitting down in the AHL at the moment. Like you you have John Luke Foodie and Charles Udon who played really well when they were here, just play, playing well in the minors. But I would rather have them than Curtis McDermott. And I know what Curtis McDermott brings as a deterrent and a hitting machine. But when you play him against the Edmonton Oilers, you are begging for trouble. And we got away with it this time. But please do not do that again. Don't do it to me again. Don't do it to me. Like, this is like one of those times you look back and be like, that worked out this time. This shouldn't be the standard. Like, this this should not be the uh, the the normalcy that we should expect. Yeah. And yeah, I just don't need to see much more from Curtis no. McDermott at this point. I I think we have seen enough at this yeah. point. How many how many games has he played so far this season? It was oh, that it's got to be like fifteen. I think it is exactly fifteen. The amount of games he's played this season, that's enough. I yeah, <laughs> I would have loved if Evander Kane was playing in this game and he could have like Kadri or could have made up for that hit on Kadri. Uh, even though Kadri's not on the team anymore, I would have loved to see that. But uh, yeah, I good for you, Curtis McDermott. You you didn't get exposed tonight. You played the most minutes you've played in probably two months, and you actually played pretty solid. So as the number one Curtis McDermott guy, you go, brother. There was one moment where <laughs> it was it was in the four on four, and I I saw the six, and I was like, "There's no fucking way Curtis is out on this four on four right now." And it was Miko, but I was just like, for a moment, I like kind of was like, "There's no way we're this desperate right now." No way, you just put that man on the ice right now. Thankfully, they didn't. And also, no. pop quiz: What is the most minutes Curtis McDermott has played this season? I'm gonna say it's tonight. Just get, just give me a ballpark. It's not tonight. Just, just yeah. give me a guess. I guess like nine thirty. 
His highest is 1357. What game was that? The Columbus Blue Jackets in Finland on November 5th and followed that up against Nashville with 1331 and an assist. Let's fucking go, Curtis. It's my dog. Stretch of a combined 26 minutes and then follow that up against Carolina with 113. Love it. That's my dog, bro. Fucking love the guy. Um, But yeah, that, that was, that was a terrifying moment for me when I saw that going in the lineup. So I will take it. He, he didn't do anything that embarrassed himself. And actually the third pair, I mean, fucking Brad Hunt scores that goal and, I know we kind of get on Sam Gerrard and Eric Johnson. They were fantastic tonight as well. I thought they were really, really good. Uh, that penalty on Eric Johnson, we both kind of agree. McDavid went down pretty fucking easily in I, that I situation. Think McDavid went down perfectly normal. I think it was a hit. Like yeah. I think he he hit him, and yeah, I mean his legs collided. But are we really gonna call that a trip? It's a hit. He's laying a hit on a player, which you do in hockey. Last I checked. But I mean, yeah, the roller coaster of EJ and Gerard is in full swing right now. Cause you last game you had Gerard score that goal against the Canucks, which we kind of brushed over. And then on the tying goal, they both got absolutely smoked. And that kind of is the story right now with both of them. Like, Cause I feel like Gerard's playing well in certain pockets of time. And then in that other pocket of time, he is like borderline unplayable. He's yeah. some, sometimes he's great. And sometimes he's really good at getting pucks through the net. Did he, did he hit a post in this game or am I completely? He did. He did. He did. Yeah, he did hit a post. In this. I couldn't remember if it was this one or, or Vancouver, but he hits a post against the Oilers in this game as well. Did a really good job of getting pucks through the net and what made a really good defensive play as well. EJ had a couple moments as well. And then obviously in the Canucks game, they weren't great in that one either. Like they just, they have moments in a game where they're really good. And then other moments in the game where they're just like, how are these guys even on the ice? Sometimes it lasts the whole game. Sometimes it doesn't. It's we need our defensemen back. We need Manson and Byron back. That is yeah. where I will leave that. We, we do. But I, I honestly think like Sam Gerrard, this is the best he's looked offensively in a very long time. Yeah. Like offensively, it looks like his game slowly, like he's gaining that confidence back. Yeah, it's exactly what I asked for him. Like, just just be what you are. You're not a defensive stalwart. You're not some superstar in your own zone. You're not a huge dude. You're really good at getting pucks to the net and moving the puck to other guys on your team. Just be really good at that, and we can start from there. He's going to make mistakes defensively. It's going to happen. But as long as he can be contributive in his own zone and just not make super costly turnovers or get just completely out-muscled on the boards – and just make smart plays in the offensive zone, he's going to be worth it. Do do I think he's worth the $5 million in the long term? Let's evaluate that at the end of the season. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. But I, I just want to give him kudos because I thought he was really fucking good tonight. I, I thought he was good. So yeah. um, I, 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 I'm glad we've recorded this very quickly after because we were both at an all-time high of emotions. But um, I don't think we can go much later. It is currently 2.17 yeah. a.m. Eastern. Yeah. So... But since I'm the one who has it late, I want to bring another topic to the show. Let's hear it. Recently, the NHL announced who's going to the All-Star game. Oh, yeah, shit. That feels like weeks ago. Yeah, it does. I think it was like yesterday, but even still. And for the Avalanche, their representative is Kale McCarr, who deserves it, who is very good. However, Miko Ranston has 26 goals. And only today did Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr hit 10 goals on the season, and they are tied for second. This team would be sunk 
without Miko Rantanen playing so far this season. And Kale McCarr deserves to be there too. Is the all-star format not one of the dumbest things you have ever seen in your entire life? I just think all-star games in general are the dumbest things we've ever seen in our entire life. Like, just give the guys three days off. Like, I, I I don't get why we have to. I, I get it makes money. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's, a lo- it's like the Winter Classic. It's a yeah. local thing. Like, yeah. like, if it was in Colorado or if it was in Washington, it would be a big deal to, to both of us. We'd probably go and enjoy the experience. In practice, it stinks. The, 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 the game itself sucks every single time it's a all-star weekend is now like the the what do you even call it the skill what's it fucking called? skill competition skill competition yeah and that's really the real highlight when they at least try to do stuff sometimes but how on earth can you justify to me that seth jones is going to the all-star game and we have to vote in Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon, probably only one. I and, think it is only one. Yeah, I think you can only have two max. Well, yeah, you can have two skaters and two and one goalie. I'm saying that because probably only one will make Rantanen has to go. There's no he way he win. He should. But another guy who's getting snubbed here, Roman Yossi is not going to the all-star game, <laughs> but Seth Jones is. I don't understand this obsession with having to have one player from each team at the all-star game. Clayton Keller might break the record for most all-star game appearances because the Coyotes do not have anybody to send. So he's just going to go every single time. And really right now, if you're Chicago or Arizona, do you really care about sending someone to the all-star game? Do you really honest to God care if you don't have anyone at the game, is that going to make you tune in? I have to see Clayton Keller play five minutes for the central division in the all-star game. Just send Rantanen, just send Roman Yossi, send the best goddamn players. It's so stupid. You know who else is not there? David Posternock. I Roman saw that. Is not in the all-star game. David fucking Posternock has to be voted in to the all-star game. You know who else? Austin Matthews. I saw that too. The reigning MVP, the reigning Rocket Richard winner. And one of the biggest names in the sport is currently not an all-star because of this utterly absurd format. You know who else isn't? Former guy we were just talking about, Leon Dreisaitl is also not there because the Oilers can only have one representative. How is this allowed i don't know i feel like we had the same conversation last year because it was like nazim kadri deserves to be in but we have to still vote him in yeah, speaking of that as as you were just going on that little rant i'm voting right now uh <laughs> i voted for uh the atlantic division is just stupid how good the atlantic division is like that that's they should win but uh the three representatives i voted in were uh craig anderson jeff skinner and uh uh i'm gonna put in uh Drake Batherson. <laughs> you're you're doing God's work, my man. You're doing God's work. I've, but I'm putting in my I'm putting in my vote for Miko. I'm doing that right now. That, that that's what we were talking about. I'm putting it in for Miko. I put I put yeah. mine in for Miko and McKinnon. The thing is, you don't even have a vote for a joke vote. Like I want to I want to send Curtis McDermott because you're then you're taking away a vote from either Ranton or McKinnon. So like you can't even afford to do that. Oh, I'm I'm still putting in McDermott. Well, yeah, I, you got yeah. you got ten votes, but still, yeah, I. I am uh, I'm having a blast doing this. Like it, it's going to be super fun. I, I honestly think McKinnon doesn't want to be there. 
I, I really think he's he pulls an Ovechkin because he hasn't played in what the past like two or three when he's been voted captain. Pretty much. I mean, well, well, the thing about Ovi is he always goes to Florida in the All Star game instead, but now it's in Florida, so he. Oh, they got him. Yeah, they're like, I, I honestly, I think that was a little bit of the reason they put it in Florida, being like, ah, where, what, where, where are you gonna go, Florida? Come on, you're already here. Just you think go. he's gonna play? Oh, he's. I think he'll play. I mean, he got voted the captain of it again, and it's in Florida. He probably owes him one because he's taken so many off. He'll probably like fucking. Because doesn't he take a fine every time? He takes a suspension every time, a game oh, suspension really? every single time. And at this point, just just do it, man. Just this this one time, just do it. But it's so absolutely ridiculous this format. Like Mitch Marner's been great, but having him over Matthews is crazy you should have them both like it's insane that only one of them can go and let's say matthews is gonna get voted in and we know that but like that's probably why they did that yeah but like why have this vote it's matthews and posternock they're two of the best players in the world of course they're gonna get voted in why are you having this stupid vote i get it's supposed to be fun but you're not going to get a John Scott this way when you leave genuine superstars off of the all-star list. It Dude, does I, not make any that sense. Made the, when John Scott got voted in, that was the most fun I've had in an all-star game since forever. Right. Like, and I, it's like so let those happen. Amazing. I think it's funny and it's great. Like, it's just, that's the best part. And John Scott, like the players fucking loved him when he was there. Like, it was just a cool moment. Like, why are you trying to take that away? Like you're supposed to make this game fun. Let us do that type of shit. You know what I mean? Like if we want to vote in Curtis McDermott, vote in Curtis McDermott, like just have fun with it. Like, let's have fun. Cause I, I just really would be interested to see what happens. If like, what does, what happens if Curtis McDermott gets voted in? Like, does, do they let him go? I, probably if he if he gets <laughs> voted in they're gonna have to let him go i mean the league fought so hard against oh, yeah. scott it was actually kind of sad yeah the way they were like no we can't have this happen the fun thing ever so can't weird have fun just, in this week i can't, i genuinely don't understand this all-star format no one cares at all but you could at least try to make it entertaining by having the best players go and play at all-star weekend I, I, this was going to be how Rantanen deserves it over Kale, but the fact of the matter is they both deserve to be there because Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the world, and duh, he deserves to be there. But Rantanen's been the best player on this team. Why are you picking just one? It does not make any sense. Just so Seth Jones and Clayton Keller can go. Like Seth Jones is so unbelievably out of place. What is he, like a minus 23 right now so far this season? He's not even he's not even the best defenseman of his parent. We can argue Jack Johnson's been the better defenseman (laughs) between the two. I'd I'd much prefer to have Jack Johnson there. Like now I want to go recast my vote for Jack Johnson. Shit. I already submitted it ten times. And because Winnipeg's uh representative is Josh Morrissey, who deserves to be there because he's been fantastic. Connor Hellebuck has to be voted in because UC Soros is the goalie representative. But because he's the goalie representative, that means Roman Yossi can't go. Like it's so stupid. It's put the best players in. And he says, just let the best players go. I'm not watching the all-star game to see Clayton Keller. Clayton Keller, by the way, his third all-star game. His good third him, all-star game. It's good player. Three-time all-star when a guy like, I don't even, like Mitch Marner's been the two. 
that it's it's just so it's crazy. So I mean, Miko's only been to one. Here's a weird stat: Sidney Crosby's only been to five. That can't be right. It's on the NHL website. His fifth All Star appearance. I'm sure he skipped a bunch of them, but this is only. Oh, they probably aren't counting the ones he skipped. Okay, yeah. that, I'm about to say like there's, there's no a, way he hasn't been voted in. Ovechkin's been to eight. I think he is the most on the list still. But Crosby's only been to five. Gaudreau is seven. That makes sense. Yeah, but, but yeah, that, I, that is kind of funny. Like I, I need to see Alex Ovechkin just go out there and just not care. Like I, I that would be pure comedy. Like no. that would be great. He is not going to give a single shit. Like he might be drunk. Like he, and he probably, he probably and in eight All Star games. You're telling me that man's been sober for all of them. Give yeah. me a break. Absolutely and, not. Yeah, but the All Star games. Like who cares? Yeah, I, who cares? Like if there's a contract incentive, cool. But yeah, I I will watch just because there's no other sports on at that time. But I will be the most casual watch of all time. Yeah, because it's like it's it's a cool thing in theory. But then you watch it, it's like, wow, this is genuinely the worst thing I've ever watched in my entire life. Because, yeah, like, this, you're playing for what? Like, it's what do they get? Like, a million dollars to split a million dollars. And then that ends up being what? Like, a few games worth of paychecks. Yeah. I mean, they, they're trying. They're yeah, trying. They're, they want to. I mean, if they're, in, if they're already in the final and it's close, we'll be like, okay, well, I'd like, we'll try more, a little bit I'd here. like more money than I have yeah. right now. It's, yeah. it's so absolutely ridiculous. Like, I'm sure Kevin Hayes has been great this season. Does he really deserve that spot over Evgeny Malkin or anyone like that? Does he really? Malkin's been bad this year. He's not my fantasy team. He's not been bad. Does he deserve it over like uh, Sebastian Ajo or someone like that or like Artemi Panarin? Really? Who is the Hurricanes representative? I didn't see that. Svechnikov. Yeah, yeah. he's been good. He's fine. Not knocking my socks off or anything. Yeah. But uh, speaking of that, we, we talked about this. We didn't talk about it on the show. The Hurricanes lost a game and they had 68 shots on goal. Like, that's fucking wild. Like they lost a game having 68 shots on goal. Yeah. I've never seen that before. UC Soros is a very, very good coach. Yes. Yes. And, and how Nashville is not competing every single year with UC Soros in that is so strange. You talk about teams like the Rangers uh, who have just constantly good goalies. You, the Predators will go from Pekka Rene, who is borderline Hall of Famer. He'll probably be a Hall of Famer. He'll, he'll, he'll um, get in. He'll definitely get he'll in. He'll get in to UC Soros, who has every chance to be a Hall of Famer. Like, it's just not fair sometimes. Yeah, and he is going to have his career utterly wasted. Yep. Because there's only a few options for the Predators at this point. Either they just continue down this path and make the playoffs maybe once every other or every three years get absolutely smoked in the first round, or they actually start a rebuild and they're good in like four or five years from now. By that point, Soros is going to be exhausted or probably on another team. Yes, completely agree. So yeah, this was a, uh, I, I can't think of anything else. Uh, your caps are getting healthy. You're getting Nick Backstrom back, which we a pretty big moment in kind of hockey history because he's going to be the first player to return to play a game since that type of hip surgery. Yeah. I so, mean, I mean, Kessler came back from it, but he wasn't good after it, but yeah. by every indication Backstrom looks better than he has in a long time. He, he took coming back really seriously. Like he yeah. did not, he did not even allow the thought of retirement to enter his brain whatsoever. He just well, kept working. 
I saw the video of it, and he was like, I couldn't even bend over to play with my kids. Like, like he, like before every game against Florida in the playoffs, where he was really good, like he had to have the trainers tie his shoes. Like he, yeah. he could not tie his own skates because he couldn't. He did not have that range of motion. And then he scored like six points in that series. He was great. Like he's a Hall of Famer and one of the best, the most underrated player of this generation. The fact that we're even having that discussion of, is he a Hall of Famer, cements that he is the most underrated player of this entire generation. And by all indications, he looks like he's going to be back. Wilson's coming back as well against Columbus. Caps, even though they, they lost, I think, two of their last three, they lost to the Sabres in overtime, and they lost to, to Nashville last night off of a late winner, but they're, they're 12 two and two in their last several games they look good well and here's the thing like before the Avs won tonight i was going to come on the show and talk about how like you have a good example of like the caps were god awful to start this year they were in the and now they're back and they're looking like a team that can compete in the playoffs so it can turn around in a season and i was i'm happy for you i i think it's going to be all I want is for Nick Backstrom's to stay healthy long enough so that he can get the primary assist when Ovechkin breaks the record because that, that's just how the story has to end for the both of them. It has to. Um, it has to. And Tom Wilson coming back, even though he is the I, – I was about to say dirty. He's not dirty. He just plays on the line of dirty and just a pain in the ass. He, he's really good for this Caps team, and I would love to have him on the Avs. Uh, I, I think it's able. fair to label him as the most reactionary player mm-hmm. in the league because he's, he's going to make one big hit, and we're going to see every gif about it yeah. for the next several days. I mean, that I talk about every time Tom Wilson is brought up, that thing on Panarin in the shortened season is the biggest overreaction I have ever seen in sports. It is so insane to me how far that went and that the Rangers genuinely issued a statement in like protest against the league that he didn't get suspended. It's yeah. so absolutely insane to me. And he's going to add a lot of energy. Yeah, he's going to. I added him on my fantasy team, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. But well, you, you need some help there. I do. I need a lot of help. I need a lot of help. I mean, Logan Thompson tonight fucking lets up four goals to the fucking Kings. Um, yeah, not going to talk about fantasy because no one cares. But yeah, my team stinks. Um, I, I care. My team's doing. Just yeah, your team's good. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, the, the NHL's been a crazy couple days. Uh, I'm excited for you for your for your uh, your Caps to get some healthy and hopefully they can make one last push. Um. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that happened in the league that we need to talk about. The Devils seem to be kind of right in the ship after their downward spin. They've won a couple games. They beat the Rangers today in a uh, pretty dramatic comeback where it looked like Shesterkin was locked in, and they they battled and won that game in regulation. Um, Western Conference, the, the Wild lost to the Sabres. The Sabres are still my favorite team that's not good but they play a lot of fun games yeah like uh, I, I watched that game they played against the caps they are so fun they, they are, are very fun they are the most fun team in the nhl right yes. now they need to make the playoffs they that'd be need. sick and i'm telling you this give it five years this team is going to oh, be yeah. a serious stanley cup oh yeah sooner than you think too if tage thompson stays like this and gets better it's over and once they get a once they get a lot of their guys developed, once Owen Power turns into something, Darlene stays on the path that he's on. This is a scary hockey team. Dude, Darlene had two goals tonight, and one of the goals was one of the most patient. Like you don't see that type of patience from a defenseman. He just 
he I forget he was cutting in the middle of the ice and just toe dragged past him and he waited like another five seconds and then just shot it the opposite side where Fleury was going. The Sabres continue to be like they're going to be really good in a couple of years. And if they can get someone in free agency, a la like a Patrick Kane, which would suck. Like uh, that would I, suck. Honestly, to, I don't think I don't think Kane's what they need. I think they. Oh, I I dis yeah. I, I agree, but like they're someone, they're someone like Kane. Yeah, if they can get a player like that, like this team is dangerous. Tage Thompson, it, I know McDavid's running away with the MVP, but Tage Thompson should be a finalist at this point. Like if he the is. Sabers make the playoffs. He is easily second. Yes, easily. It's not even a conversation. Yeah, and their goaltender, I can never pronounce his name. Uh, Pekka Lukanen. Pekka Lukanen. He looks like he's going to be good. Like I really like the Sabers. I'm jumping on that bandwagon a little earlier than. Uh, I'm probably late to it, as some people will say, but um, Sabres look good. We talked about the crack. The crack and just keep winning. I mean, they're they look really good right now. I think they just swept the state of or the state, the country of Canada. They beat the Maple Leafs. Uh, they beat the uh, Senators, and I forget who they beat before that. It might have been the. It was the Oilers. They beat the Oilers. Yeah, they beat the Oilers. Um, Huge win. They're, yeah, they're looking good, and yeah, I mean the West is West is looking better we'll still see where the abs kind of fall but i mean the st louis lost to fucking montreal tonight which was funny um but uh yeah you just need to keep it going and uh you need to keep having just keep keep winning if as long as you win you don't have to worry about the rest of the teams and i think the abs will do that so um this episode's gone on a lot longer than i thought it would i don't, so I don't know you... how that happened like i just looked at the clock again and like 45 minutes have passed yeah i know I last look I... At these are my favorite episodes where we just go yeah, I was. I, I noticed this was getting long because I I've left altitude on my TV, and we've gone through the entire Avs three hundred and sixty, the entire Avs post game, and we're already halfway through the first period of yeah, the I've, game again. I've just been watching the the your event has ended on ESPN Plus yeah. for the last hour. So, dude, I hate that thing. I hate that the the fucking song it does, and it's like ESPN thirty for thirty. Like exclusive home. I'm like, just, dude, just fucking take me back to the home page. I don't need to listen to this shit the entire time. I've just turned my TV off. But uh, yeah, I uh, I don't think I have anything else, man. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I could go another hour, but is oh, I I could too, but is, I don't think the listeners want that. Two thirty six in the morning. I'm I need to sleep eventually, and also this episode needs to go up eventually. So yeah. uh, we're gonna wrap this one up here. We're gonna talk more obviously on the next episode after we play the Florida Panthers. What time is that game? Is that at nine 30, seven 30, my time. So yeah, nine 30, my time. So it'll be another late one, but you know, yep. that's just what we do here. So we'll see you guys then. And also I'm going to, going to give you some homework, Christian. We're going to do on the next episode, we're going to be doing our mid season awards for okay. all, every single individual award and maybe updating our stanley cup picks if necessary so that's your homework over the next two days before tuesday just because i said so fair enough thanks teacher you're welcome so anyway guys thank you so much for tuning in as always this was a long one but a, a very cathartic one very energetic one and just we needed that we needed that win genuinely so badly huge win against the oilers and now big opportunity to keep it rolling against the Panthers on Tuesday and against the Blackhawks, the Senators, and the Red Wings over the next little while. But that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code Teledabs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. 
you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. But again, thank you so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.